you have a Bible with you today, I hope you do, I want you to find the book of Exodus, all right? The book of Exodus. We're going to start in chapter 24. In fact, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles, and we're going to be a bunch of other places. Normally, like when I preach, I stick to like one passage of Scripture and really try to be focused, but today I have like, Tom's probably back there freaking out, because I have like 30 different slides um, and most of them are just scripture verses that we're going to go through because I, I want us to go for a journey through a couple stories in the Bible uh, this morning to see something special. Um, so find Exodus. It's pretty easy. It's the second book of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus. And we're going to be in ch- chapter 24 to start. And this morning we're starting a brand new series of messages that will span the next three weeks. And it's going to focus on a specific Um, section of our kingdom builders focus. And you're like, kingdom builders, what is kingdom builders? Glad you asked. Um, Back in in January, we unveiled this little thing called kingdom builders. Kingdom builders is a way to help our church become passionate about generosity and reaching the lost and hurting in our world. We believe that one of the most effective things that we can do as Christians, as American Christians, to move the kingdom of God forward is to give financially. We are in the richest like 95% in the world if you live in America pretty much. Like it is crazy what we have been blessed with. But Kingdom Builders is basically a fund that, that we give to that goes to help in the areas of global missions, local needs, and investing in future generations. You can, you can learn all about Kingdom Builders by scanning that thing, going to our website. There's videos, there's, um, there's, there's pledge cards, there's all sorts of things. So If you're like, kingdom builders, what is this? I want to know about this. I want to build the kingdom of God. Um, Make sure you check that out, okay? So again, the three areas that kingdom builders focuses on uh, is global missions, local needs, and investing in future generations. Now, back in March, if you remember, we did a, a series called Global. We focused on the global side of things. And we talked about the 42% of the world that has never heard or has no access, I should say, no access to the gospel in the way that we do. They don't have churches, they don't have scripture and these kinds of things. And we had an opportunity to give to help this amazing missions organization start up in Uzbekistan. And we got them through the whole first year. We raised over $50,000 in just less than a month for this, mission, this global missions project. It was awesome. Now in September, we're going to focus on the local piece of Kingdom Builders, where we'll hear about the importance of reaching those all around us here in these areas, and we'll also have opportunities to give and serve for the local needs of the people around us. But this month, we're focusing on the future piece of Kingdom Builders, where we are going to talk about the importance of passing faith, our faith in Jesus, to those that are coming after us. And in the next few weeks, we're going to look at what we are doing and how we can uh, give to specifically impact future generations. So as we get started, I would like to just pray. So join me as we pray. Holy Spirit, help us to um, really grab a hold of this today. What, what we're talking about is, is such a huge passion of yours We see it all over the Bible. It's about more people coming to know you. So so put a passion inside of us to figure out what part we play in all of this. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, one of my favorite things to do is to sit down with people and hear their stories. 
And as I hear their story, one of my favorite things to ask is like, what do you like to do for fun? What are your hobbies? And some people have some very interesting hobbies, right? Um, you probably are sitting there going, yeah, let me tell you about my hobby, right? Um, but, but, but sometimes what's even just as interesting as the hobby itself is hearing about how they got passionate about that hobby. Um, many times people pass on their hobbies, right? So I want to do something really quick. We're going to have a little bit of audience participation here. So I need like two or three people to help me with this. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, what is a major hobby of yours? And number two, who taught you to love it or who piqued your interest in it? Okay, so really quick, somebody just throw your hand up really quick. I want to hear what your hobby is. What do you like to do? Come on, don't be shy. Josh, Josh over here, what's your hobby? Sports. Okay, Josh loves sports. Josh, tell me, who in your life kind of developed that love for sports? My sisters and my family. Yeah, your sisters and your family. His, his sisters were state athletes all over the place and national athletes and stuff. And now because of that, Josh is like, dang, I want to do that. He has this passion. Okay, one more. Come on, somebody else. Who's got it? What's your passion? Glenn loves farming. Why, why do you love farming? Who put that passion in you? You were born into it. Your dad was a farmer. Your family were farmers. Okay, perfect. I'm so glad this worked out. I was a little bit nervous. But um, the reality is it's almost always true that you acquired your love for your hobby from someone else. It, it could have come from a friend or a coworker, but many times it comes from parents. Many times it comes from family. And I have quite successfully, I might add, um, passed down my love for Star Wars <laughs> to my son Jasper. Oh yes. Oh yes. You may think a big Star Wars geek is like, oh, they've seen all the movies and they know movie quotes. No, no, no. There is so much more to it than that. You can ask my son. Uh, there are actually 15 different Star Wars TV shows. Did you know that? 15 different Star Wars TV shows that most of you know nothing about. There are 381 books that span like the Old Republic up to the Legacy uh, era, which is after Luke Skywalker. Some of you are like, what a geek. All right? <laughs> my son and I have watched all the movies all the TV shows, actually just a couple days ago, we watched the brand new one, Obi-Wan, that just came out, right? Um, but we, ha we haven't read even close to all of the books, but we've read quite a few. And our favorite ones are the Jedi Apprentice series. It's actually young Obi-Wan when he was a young, like 10, 12-year-old, and he goes with his master Qui-Gon on all of these missions. They're so much fun. We also have a pretty lengthy knowledge of alien technology and... Um, and races in the Star Wars world, you have no idea how big the Star Wars world is. It's crazy. Um, our, our favorite race in the Star Wars world is the, is the Twi'leks. They're the like, green and blue ones that have these amazing things. They're called Leku. They're like these giant braids. They're like almost tentacles. They're so great. You guys are like, I don't care. I don't care. I do care. I'm trying to pass my love. I'm trying to pass my love to you right now. And our favorite tech of course, is the lightsaber, but besides that might be either the TIE Fighter, the classic TIE Fighter, um, or, or the Staps. Those are great. They're like these little floaty scooter things. Jasper always uses those when we play the Kashyyyk map on Battlefront 2 <laughs> on my Nintendo 64. Okay. 
It's okay. I did that on purpose. I want you to see that this is weird stuff. But because I have a passion for this, my son has a passion. We're, we're learning. We're still learning more. But we have, I've passed on this love, and it's our hobby now. And as you can see from all the examples that we've had this morning, passion is contagious. Our hobbies are our hobbies because someone taught us to love them. And many times, get this, God is our God because someone taught us to love him. Today, I want you to feel the weight of this idea of passing on our love for God to others, specifically to future generations. Now, when we think of leaving something for future generations, the word legacy comes to mind, right? But this word legacy is used in different contexts. In some ways, um, when we talk about it with, uh, with sharing our faith, we think about it in the wrong way, actually, okay? So let me just share with you a little bit. Many times when we think of legacy, we think of doing something big in our lifetime or leaving something substantial behind so that we will be remembered, and that's important to a lot of people, to be remembered after they, they are gone. Some people think, if I'm not remembered after I'm gone, what was the point of this life? What a waste. And, and I get it. I get it. And I, because I want my life to count, right? We all want our lives to count for something. I want to leave my mark on this world. If I don't do something that impacts others, I probably wasted my life. That is what a legacy is, after all. Check this out, the definition of the word legacy. Legacy is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor. Ancestor or predecessor. Something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. But, but what, if it's not about, what if it's not about living in a way that I am remembered? What if it's not about leaving something so that I am remembered? What if it's living in a way that so that God is remembered. I'm going to actually play you a short video clip right now. It's a song that I think hits this right on the head, and I want you to listen to the lyrics. The lyrics will also be on the screen. So this song is called Only Jesus by Casting Crowns. Check this out quick. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all an empty world can sell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. And I
Listen to, listen to these lyrics. It says, make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers, but Jesus is the only name to remember. Like, check this out. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name, like, like do something that people are gonna remember you. Like, this is the tension we have. But then, then the, the author of this song, the writer says, but Jesus is the only name to remember. He says, I don't wanna leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. I love that. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. Our goal is, is to know God and to help others know him. And when it comes down to it, that's all that really matters. In this world, in the world to come, knowing Jesus is all that matters. But we forget, don't we? We get caught up in our lives and a busyness and everything that we got going on, and we forget. We get distracted. We forget about leaving a legacy of Jesus. And this isn't new. This is not a new problem. People have been forgetting forever, right? Like, think about the garden where Adam's like walking and talking with Jesus and one day he's like, oh, let's try this. Like, no, dummy, what are you doing? I saw this funny thing, just a quick thing. I, I saw this funny uh, little short video clip and it was Adam, as you're entering the pearly gates, Adam is standing there going like, hey, my bad. <laughs> I pro probably not, because here's the reality. If Adam didn't screw it up, I would have screwed it up. Somebody would have screwed it up, right? But this isn't a new thing. The Israelites, God's chosen people, had generations that didn't serve God. Let, let, I'm going to show you a, um, four generations, okay? I'm going to show you four generations of kings back to back and how that played out, okay? Second Chronicles chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. His mother's name was Jerusha, daughter of Zadok. He did what was right in the eyes of of the Lord. Okay, 2 Chronicles chapter 27, two chapters later. Jotham, we just talked about him, rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. And Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So Jotham does good, Ahaz does bad. 2 Chronicles 28, next chapter. Ahaz rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of Jerusalem, but he was not placed in the tombs of kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him as king. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So yes, no, yes. Second Chronicles chapter 32, a few chapters later. Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored him when he died. And Manasseh, his son, succeeded him as king. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Four generations, good, bad, good, bad. In fact, I want to show you how the kings of Judah fared when it came to following God, all right? I want to show you this slide here. So we have Saul all the way down to Zedekiah. These are the kings of Judah during this time period. So the ones in red did evil, the ones in yellow did right, and the orange ones, they started doing good, and then they did evil. This is crazy. 
The, the nutso thing about this is there is only a small portion, like three to five kings, who actually passed the love for God onto their children. You have David, Asa, Uzziah, whose, whose sons followed the Lord like they did. And then you could argue that Joash and Amaziah did, right? He started out good and passed it on to Uzziah. But think about this. Most of these guys, the kings, the kings of the chosen people of God couldn't pass on a love for God to their children. And then you have this crazy conundrum. Have you ever thought about this? Christianity is all but extinct where Jesus' ministry took place and where the early church thrived. You ever thought about that? We're talking modern-day Egypt, Jordan, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, Turkey, and of course Israel. These places where Je- is where Jesus did his ministry and where the early church thrived. Like the highest concentration of, of Christians in all the world were in these areas, and now there are some of the most unreached places in the world. Here's what I hope you understand with all of this today. I hope you understand the urgency of the fact that you are one generation away from having a non-Christian legacy. That's scary to think about. One generation away from having a non-Christian legacy. We are seeing this all over the world now. We are seeing this in Stearns County, Minnesota, in Todd County, in the surrounding areas. This, we are seeing genera- a generation that grew up in the church Now they're turning away from God and raising their children without God completely. I go to the schools every once in a while, and I hear things from kids like, hey, can I ask you a question about God? And they will ask me the simplest question. Like, they have no clue who God is at all. And here's why. The silent generation and the baby boomer generation, I'd say anyone 70 and over, they raised their kids in church for the most part, right? But the Gen X, the millennials, the the kids of those people, they have walked away from God by the droves and they are now raising their kids without even talking about God. I want you to think about this, okay? I'm right on the cusp of Gen X and millennial and I didn't even grow up going going to church, but I knew Bible stories. I knew what the Bible said for the most part. It was everywhere. But now, these generations, my generation, most people are not going to church at all, and their kids know nothing about God. They don't know who God is. They haven't heard the name of Jesus. Can you believe that? There are people in our country, children, who have never even heard the name of Jesus because their parents have walked away from the church. This new generation, the younger millennials, the Gen Zs, They have no biblical knowledge, no biblical worldview. And I'm not pointing a blame at any older generation, okay? Please don't think that. I know there's all sorts of junk that is going on in our culture and our world. They are pulling at our kids like crazy. What I'm saying is we are seeing future generations, the ones that we are talking about in this series, the future, we are seeing them grow up without God and we we need to do something about it. But it's hard. Like I said, the world, our culture is pulling hard at these kids. But I want to give you some hope this morning, okay? I want to show you the life of a man in the Bible that was impacted by someone who understood the urgency of this. 
and he, and he was intentional about passing on a love for God to the next generation. I want to tell you the story of the life of Joshua. Joshua. And this is where we're going to get into the book of Exodus. But Joshua, through some events in the wilderness, uh, in the time of the Exodus from Egypt, he was Moses' protege. Okay, so let me quick give you some context, because some of you are like, whoa, wilderness, Exodus, Moses, what are we talking about here, okay? The Israelites, God's chosen people, were slaves in Egypt. And God didn't like that, so he chose Moses to lead his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. But to get there, they had to go across what was called the wilderness, the desert area. Now, during the Exodus, which is the name of that time period, the Israelites were leaving Egypt and on their way to the promised land. It's also the name of the book in the Bible that records those events. We see Joshua become Moses' second in command, like his right-hand man. Joshua is Moses' leader in many battles throughout this time of Exodus. And he is also one of the 12 that Moses trusts to go into the promised land to scout it out when they get closer. From there, we see Moses bring Joshua along on some amazing encounters with God that would no doubt shape Joshua's love and commitment to God. And I I don't know necessarily if Moses did this super intentionally, if he did it on purpose, but there's no doubt that Moses passes his faith, his experiences on to Joshua. And I want to show you a few of these events that contributed to this. One of the most famous encounters Moses had with God was when he went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Jewish law and the Ten Commandments. Exodus 24. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance, but Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near. And the people may not come up with him. So here we have God saying like, hey, bring people close to the mountain, Mount Sinai. Bring people close to the mountain. Bring these certain people. And I want you to worship me. But when I ask you to, Moses, you're just you. You're the only one who can come up here. Nobody else can come up here. Let's read verse 12. Come up to me. So this is a few verses later. Now God says, come up to me on the mountain and stay here. And I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aid, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. I never realized this before this week when I was studying this. Did you know that Joshua was on Mount Sinai when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments? That's crazy. That is crazy to me. It's unbelievable. Only Moses, he says. Oh yeah, and Joshua, you can come too. Can you imagine being a part of that? Being like in God's presence like that? Moses brings Joshua with, and he experiences God speaking to Moses, giving them the law, which includes the Ten Commandments. Joshua was there. He got to see this. He got to see his mentor have this experience with God. He got to witness it. That's a big deal. Here's another amazing event, or reoccurring event, actually, that Joshua got to be a part of. Exodus chapter 33. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud, that represented God's presence, by the way, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Come on, I would love that. Then Moses would return to the camp. Oh, by the way, his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, 
he was there too, and he didn't leave the tent. Like, Joshua, again, gets to be a part of this amazing private time with God that Moses has. And not only that, Moses gets done praying in the tent, and Joshua kind of like looks at him and says, hey, do you mind if I stick around and just stay in God's presence a little longer? Like, I can't think anything more that I would want for my kids that, than them to be so enraptured with the presence of God that they just want to stay in that presence. How do I pass that on? How do I get them to be a part of this? Moses brings Joshua into his intimate meetings with God, and it changes him. And then Moses does something so powerful for Joshua at the request of God. He commissions Joshua as the next leader of Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in all the presence of, or in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses is saying, Joshua, I'm so proud of you. I've seen you grow and I'm about to head out here. And now you're the man. Don't be afraid. God's gonna be with you. He loves you. He's going to be with you just like he was with me. Remember those times that we went on the mountain? Remember those times when we met with God in that tent? You can do the same thing. He's going to be with you just like he was with me. Can you imagine speaking life into your child or anyone for that matter, speaking encouragement, showing them that you believe in them and God believes in them, what that would do to them if you did that over and over and that was like your life's goal is to raise up future generations? And then what does Joshua do when he's in charge? Does he drop the baton? I want to show you. And music team, you can come at this time. Joshua chapter 4. Joshua called together the 12 men that he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In, future, in the future, when your children ask you, you catch that? When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Joshua starts doing for the people of Israel what Moses did for him. They crossed the Jordan River in this miraculous way, and he sets up a memorial for people to remember forever. But this isn't the only time Joshua does this. Check this out. Joshua chapter four again. This is verse nine. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now look at chapter seven, verse 26. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Joshua chapter 8, verse 29. They raised a large pile of rocks over it, which remains to this day. And chapter 10, verse 27. At the mouth of the cave, they placed large rocks, which are there to this day. And we're going to stop there, but there are at least two more places where Joshua puts up these memorials, these altars for people to remember what God did. Remember what God did. Look at these piles of rocks. Kids walking along, you're walking along the river one day down by the Jordan River and your kid goes, 
Dad, what's that huge pile of rocks in the middle of the river? Well, son, let me tell you what the Lord did. Come on. When are you walking down the road? When are you living your life and you say to your kid, hey, let me tell you what the Lord did. There needs to be times in our lives where we sit down with our kids, when we sit down with our grandkids, with our nieces, our nephews, the, the students that we are a part. Let me tell you what the Lord did in my life. Why does Joshua do this? He wants them to remember. Specifically, he wants the future generations to remember what God has done. Remember way back in chapter four, when your child asks, what do these mean? You can tell them. Joshua is like pleading with the people, please pass on your faith. Don't let your kids forget who God is and what he does. And he's got one more thing to say, Joshua does. As he's dying, Joshua says this in chapter 24, starting in 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. He's saying this to the whole community of Israel. Serve, with him, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable, undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Listen, if the world is pulling at you, the world is all around us, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And with all that, the intentional leading and reminding, we see Joshua's legacy played out. Chapter, chapter 24 again, verse 31. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived Joshua and who experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. See, not only do the people in Joshua's lifetime follow God, but the next generation followed God too. Everybody who saw what happened passed it down. Sadly, we looked at that list of kings earlier. We know that it didn't get passed down continually. Something happened. There was generations that didn't pass the baton of a love for God. Let's not be those people. I don't wanna be that guy, right? I don't wanna drop the ball. Let's not only have a heart for God, but let's also figure out how to pass our heart for God down to the next generation. I almost just read this scripture verse and just said, let's go home. Check this out, Psalm chapter 78. I think this is such a great, such a great passage. It says, oh my people, Listen to my instructions. This is a prophet of God speaking to a, a person through song, to the people, uh, to the people of Israel through song. Excuse me. He says, "Open your ears to what I'm saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us." Listen to this. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and about his mighty works. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, 
stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. The warriors of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned their backs and fled on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, and they refused to live by his instructions. Why? They forgot what he had done. They forgot what he had done. Listen, I'm okay. I'm okay if my kids don't love Star Wars or they forget that I love Star Wars. I'd be a little disappointed, I'm not gonna lie, right? But I'd be okay, it'd be okay. But I am not okay with my kids forgetting about how I loved God. I'm absolutely not okay with not seeing my kids or my grandkids or their grandkids or their kids in paradise with me and Jesus. I'm not okay with that. I wanna do whatever I can to pass on my love for God to future generations. Teaching someone to love God is immeasurably more important than teaching them to love Star Wars or sports or farming or fishing or books or movies or anything else for that matter. And here's, here's a cool side note for you, okay? Passing on your love to future generations doesn't have to be from a parent to a child. Can I tell you a secret? It's not my story. I love my parents, but they did not pass on a love for God to me. The church did that. I had spiritual mentors in my life at school inviting me to church. Students, I'm a Christian today. I'm a pastor today because one of my friends invited me to church. I am a pastor today because my youth pastor called me and said, God has something for you. He pulled a Moses Joshua thing and he said, listen, God is with you. He will never forsake you. He's got something for you. You're called to be a minister. You're called to be a pastor. Listen, it does not have to be parent to child. If you have kids in this place, do it. If you don't have kids in this place or your kids are gone or whatever, find somebody else. You can come talk to my kids. I'll love, I'd love for you to help me get my kids on track. Everybody in here, that's why we're a church family. Moses wasn't Joshua's dad either. Joshua, son of Nun, not N-O-N-E-N-U-N, right? Joshua was not Moses' son. The church needs spiritual parents and grandparents to step in and pass on their faith to future generations, even if they're not their own. And even cooler yet, listen, even though we're talking about future here, this doesn't only have to be passing your faith on to future generations. You can pass your faith on to your coworkers, your neighbors, your parents, whoever it is. This is for all of us this morning. We should have a deep burning desire to pass on our love for God to somebody else. Hey, let me tell you what the Lord did. Let me tell you what the Lord did in my life. And maybe, just maybe, they'll catch some fire. So what does it look like to pass on our faith? How do we do this? Well, that's what we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks. We're gonna talk about some practical things that you can do to help future generations around you find their own love for God. Today, I just needed you to walk out of here with this passion, this urgency like, oh dang, this is a big deal. Now maybe this morning, as you've heard the life of Joshua and you've heard his intimate relationship with God or you've heard the passion that God has 
to, uh, to, to have the future generations know him. Maybe you've heard all this and you're thinking, you know, I want that. I don't have that relationship with God. Here's the cool thing, you can have it starting right now. Jesus wants you to know that you are loved, that you have been saved from your sins, not through good deeds, right? But by him dying on the cross for you. And if you're not sure that you have that relationship today, you can make that decision right now. So I'd like everybody to just bow your heads for a moment. Close your eyes for a time of privacy and reflection. And I believe that God, God is gonna speak. He might be speaking to some of you right now. He might be tapping you on the shoulder, kind of twisting your arm a little bit, pulling on your heartstrings, whatever you want to say. And he might be saying, hey, it's time. It's time to start this relationship. Not talking about religion, not talking about going to church, not talking about back when I was a kid, I did this thing. No, no, this is a relationship with God. He wants to know you every single day. And some of you in this place might have been being religious for a long time, and that's okay. But today might be the day to start something real, a real relationship. Some of you may have never followed God. Some of you in this room might be these people that we're talking about, these future generations that don't know God. Never heard of him really. I've never heard this story. I've never known that, that Jesus died on the cross and that he loves me. Listen, you have the opportunity right now. And so what I want you to do with no one looking around is if you are in this place and you say, I wanna start a relationship. I don't have a relationship with God right now and I wanna start that relationship with him right now. If that's you, just put up your hand because I wanna know who I'm gonna pray for this morning. Nobody else is looking around. Thank you, that's awesome. Anybody else who says that me, that's me. I wanna start my relationship with God today. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? God wants nothing more than to know you in a real and an intimate way. Anybody else? If you're online, you can make this decision as well. You can mean this with your heart. You can, you can even click a link that will give you a place to get some information. A few more seconds. I don't want to move too fast here because I think God is working on some people. Slip up your hand if you say, I want to start that relationship today. Yeah. Right on. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray. Now, these aren't magic words, right? This isn't about like saying some magic words and boom, I'm safe. This is a hard thing. But I think so many times, even in any relationship we have, when we say it out loud, it makes it more real, right? You can say like, well, they know I love them. Okay. But there's something special when you say it. So here's what I want to do. I want everybody in this place to pray with me. And if you're praying this for the first time, or if you're making this commitment for this first time, mean it with your whole heart. Pray, God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you are my savior. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to live for you. Amen, amen. Let's celebrate that together. That's awesome, huh?